0: Second Peter chapter 3, uh, just as we've been looking at this, remember and respond, now I say 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to of course finish like we said last week, Philippians chapter 4, we'll get verses 8 and 9, but just to sort of get the context, so we're not like why are we in uh, Philippians all of a sudden, uh, we're down here into verse 14 of, of Second Peter chapter 3, uh, where it says, therefore, beloved... Since you're waiting for these, that's the new heavens and the new earth, we are to be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And we talked about how that, that the call to be without spot and blemish, that's a common one. That's one I heard from the beginning of my Christian walk. Like, hey, you're a believer now, you need to repent, and then you need to live a holy life. And that, that call to be spotless and blameless was uh, one that was laid out fairly early, and there are plenty of times that we as a church have, have talked about it. And, but here, uh, uh, Peter lays out another Im- important part as well, be outspot within blemish, and what? And at peace. So we've been looking at what it means to pursue biblical peace, because the world likes to talk about peace. I mean, you know, peace, you know, all over the place. 1960s were full of it, right? Uh, it was like the theme of the 60s, and yet there was no peace, uh, at least in a biblical idea. So what does the Bible, when, when Peter's saying that we are to pursue to be at peace, what is he talking about? And so we looked at just all the ways that peace has been a very important part of the Bible story since the beginning uh, and how God relays the importance of peace, peace with him, peace with one another, the, the inner peace that so many people are seeking today, that that God talks about all of those. And then we looked at how do you pursue that? How do you pursue this type of peace. How do you pursue to be at peace? And so we looked at how to pursue peace with God. We looked at pursuing peace with one another, which we admit is by far the more prevalent one in scripture. Uh, but then we're looking also at, uh, how scripture lays out to us how to pursue true inner peace or inward peace. How do I, how do I be at peace with my life? How do I be at peace so that my heart's not always raging, or I'm not always sad, or I'm not always scared? All of these emotions that can keep our hearts going one way or the other, where we're like this all the time, fluctuating, and we can try and blame it on our hormones, but it's probably not. Uh, we can blame it on our circumstances, and it's probably not. It's, it's, it's us. So how can we make sure that we are found at peace, not just around us, but inside of us, where our hearts are at peace. Uh, and so that's what we've been looking at. We looked at Philippians chapter 4. So let's turn there now. We'll read Philippians chapter 4, verses th- 4 through 9 again. And uh, we made it down uh, through verse uh, uh, 7, and we'll pick up with, with verse 8 and 9. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's Word. Is truly just a blessing Uh, And as we are are reading, of course, read prayerfully. Those of you on Wednesday nights, you know this already. Beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we are searching your scriptures, God, because you command us to uh, diligently pursue to be uh, found at peace. And so, God, I pray that as we are pursuing that peace, we see in this text from Philippians, the ways that you promised to bring that peace to us. Father, I pray that we would uh, pursue uh, them obediently through your word. Uh, and that, God, we would see the blessing that comes from you in them. So thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for calling us to peace and then showing us the way to it and giving it to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, last week we looked at verses 4 through, through verse 7, that we are to really verse 6, uh, laying out this, you know, what do we need to do to have inward peace? We rejoice. Uh, we are someone who who is, who is calm or, uh, reasonable. Uh, we remember that the Lord is there. So we're not anxious. We pray. And what happens? Verse seven happens. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now it would be tempting to stop right there in the discussion of peace to say, okay, do these things. And look, it says, that's how you get the peace of God. But Paul isn't done talking about peace. In fact, if you look, the idea of peace is going to continue, and, and and the parallels in this text are going to be are going to be pretty obvious. Verses four through seven talk about the peace of God, and then verses eight through nine talk about the God of peace, and in, and, and this always sounds so stupid when I say it, but in the Greek it's even more clear. Uh, it's obvious that he's flip-flopping, making this mirror image of the two things to sort of almost create this bookend of thought about the peace of God. So peace is obviously an important part of what we read in verses four through seven. No one ever doubts that. I don't think anyone doubts that it's important in verses eight and nine, but normally we don't go to verses eight and nine and say, this is what you need if you want to be at peace. If you want this peace that God is promising us, don't forget verses 8 and 9. So let's continue this pursuit of peace by looking at the guidance that we get in verses 8 and 9 as well. First, let's look at verse 8. What does he say? Finally, brothers, whatever's true Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So this is the next thing. You want peace. We've got rejoice. We've got, uh, you know, be this even keel, reasonable person, not swaying up and down. Be someone who's trusting that the Lord is near. Be someone who's prayerful. And now we get in this verse. What else do you do? One, make sure you think about the right things. One of the ways to make sure that you are at peace is to make sure that you are thinking, filling your mind with the things that should be there. One of the reasons we are not at peace as people is normally our minds are always on unpeaceful things. And then we wonder why we're not at peace. We're always thinking about our money. Or we're always thinking about our jobs and what we don't like about it. Or we're always thinking about what this person did that rubs us the wrong way. Uh, all of these things are constantly, that's what we're thinking about. And then wondering, why I don't feel at peace very often. I wonder why I don't feel at peace. We're constantly worried about things. And so we fill our minds. And then, And then even when we're not intentionally doing it, right? We listen to songs that sing about unpeaceful things. We watch movies that aren't sowing peaceful thoughts. We talk to friends who are not going to be the most peace encouraging individuals all about the things that are wrong with our life. And what should we instead fill our mind with? We fill our time even our even our downtime with unpeaceful things. When here The Bible says, what should we be filling our minds with? Filling your minds with these things. Look at what he says. What's the first one? Whatever is true. Okay, so what do we need to be? You need to be thinking about the right things. What sort of things do you need to be thinking about? Think about things that are true. Often what happens is peace is lost in our minds when we allow our minds to start thinking untrue things. I don't know how many times. It's probably the thing I say the most as a pastor in counseling, which is speak truth to yourself. What normally happens is people will have these things that they say, and they'll say, well, this is going to happen. And I say, that's not true. What you're doing is you're believing a lot. Quit listening to that. Quit telling yourself that. You're telling yourself this lie. You're saying this happens in in marriage counseling. It happens with anxiety. If this happens, I'm just gonna, or I know I'm gonna fail this way, or I know that. And I say, look, that's not true. That's not true. Don't allow those thoughts to sit in your head. I need this, and I don't have that, and I can't be happy in my life because I need this. No, none of that is true. None of that is true. Quit thinking it. So when you think, okay, well, because what do we all know? Well, if I've got Christ, I've got everything. But when it's a Thursday afternoon and it's hot outside and our kids are driving us nuts, uh, all of a sudden it's a Jesus and something else. Uh, maybe a Jesus and an icy, or someone to just take these kids for 10 minutes. Uh, and we start thinking about those thoughts and they ruminate and we start believing those untrue Things, those untrue thoughts fill our mind, those lies. And we begin to go, well, why am I not at peace? We begin to worry about things that aren't true. And those worries sit and they foment and we think about them and think about them. Instead, the Bible says we should fill our minds with Truth and, and I want to stress when we're looking at this. Often, what we do when we when we normally talk about this passage, uh, what people talk about is that, uh, hey, it, 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 this is about what you need to get out of your life. Normally, when we read these, we think get untrue things out of your life. We think get dishonorable thoughts out of your life. Get whatever. But really. This is focusing on the chief call of this passage is not get rid of these other thoughts. The chief call of this passage is flood your mind with the right things. That's the main point of this. Is It's not, okay, I need to clean the attic of my mind out here. It's like, no, you need to fill your mind up. The problem isn't that your attic is full of this other stuff. The problem is that your attic's not full of the right things. You know, you get to that point in your attic where you can't shove anything else in there without fear that it'll fall through, you know, some drywall over someone's bedroom. That needs to be what your mind is like with the things of God. Your mind needs to be so thinking about true things that untrue things have no place. That there is no place for the devil to get a foothold. That you are so busy thinking about what's true and good and right that there is no place for untruth to find purchase in your heart or in your mind. Often our minds are filled with untruth simply because we don't know the truth. I mean, that's one of our problems. So what do we need to do? What does Jesus say about the truth in John 17, 17? Sanctify them, holify them. And what? In the truth, your word is truth. So the best way... For you to fill your mind with true things is to know what the true things even are and the place where you and I find the true things that we're supposed to believe and that are right and are real, despite what our minds or hearts tell us, the things we can know this is true is found in God's word. You want peace? Fill your mind with the word of God. Read it, study it, pick it up and read it again. Over and over, the word of God is the truth that brings us peace. The best way for you to fill your mind with true things is to fill your mind with scripture, to fill your mind with God's word. So when it says here that whatever is true the first place your mind should go and you go well what is true well Jesus tells us what is true your word is truth so what do I need to fill my mind with one way to protect your mind and to have peace is to be someone who's always reading and thinking about God's word and I say reading and thinking about because sometimes thinking about is hard And so the easy way to do that is just keep reading it because you really have to be in a funk if if what you're reading isn't even going into your head. Uh, If you have trouble thinking, like, what am I supposed to think? Just grab a Bible. Grab a Bible, start reading, read something, read anything. Call one of your pastors and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. What do I need to think? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna give you God's word. We're gonna tell you what God's word says. We'll probably even give you passages to read. And you're like, oh, there's reading involved? Yes, You know, why are we doing that? Not, you know, I think I thought you were supposed to read and then give me the cliff notes of it. Uh, Isn't that what a pastor does? No, we're going to point you to the truth, which is what? We're going to say, get in God's word. This is what his word says. This is not what Zach says. This is not what Chris says. This is what the Bible says. And so you need to believe it. You need to trust it. So truth, what you need to think about, true things. If you want peace, set your mind on true things. But that's not all that he says. He says whatever is true. The next thing he says is whatever is honorable. Now, the, the word there for honorable is a word that means something that carries worth or possesses value in it. Uh, something really, something worthy of devotion. So things you should be thinking about are things that are worth your time. Think about things that are worth your time. Think about valuable things. Have valuable thoughts. We should fill our mind with honorable thoughts, dignified thoughts, thoughts worthy of the brief time that you're on this earth. How are you going to spend it? You're going to spend it thinking about what? And if you were to say that your life is a vapor and a shadow, and you looked at the percentage of your life that you spent thinking about blank, how embarrassing would that be? Right? If God if God is, you know, it's 2020, so God, I'm sure, loves graphs as well. Uh, and so God gives you a graph, a pie chart of what your brain thought about. How many of those things would you go, yeah, it's kind of pathetic that it's on the list. Uh, And it wouldn't and then the the truth or God's word be the sliver and this stuff, you know, this be college football, you know, and you're like, yeah, about that. I was intending to be a missionary to college football players or, you know, uh, all the things that I don't want to name them, but you know what they are. Uh, And each one of us have different things, different things that just captivate us and that we sit and we think about things that do not sow peace. They may not sow unpeace, right? They may not be, you know, uh, catastrophic evil thoughts, but they're not thoughts that will grow peace in our hearts. And so we spend all our time thinking about things that aren't worth our time. And then we wonder why we're not at peace. Because those moments that we had to be sowing peace in our minds and in our hearts, we didn't take advantage of those. We spent all our time thinking about Blank. And the good thing about the Holy Spirit is I don't have to fill in the blank God does right now. Because you know exactly what you've spent your time thinking about. You know exactly what you need to spend less time thinking about. Even if that thing you're thinking about is just you. Take time to fill your mind, not with those thoughts, not worth your time. Fill your time with honorable thoughts. Ponder those things. When it comes to peace, we allow ourselves to think thoughts about God, thoughts about others, thoughts that are just not dignified, that aren't worth our time. They don't help, and in fact, they often hurt. So think about things that are worth thinking about. If, if you're thinking about something, you go, no, this isn't even worth thinking about. And let me tell you, if it's not the truth, it's not worth thinking about if it's a lie, if it's something you're struggling with, if it's an untruth and you know this isn't true and you're battling it and you want to do it, you know what you can do? Quit thinking about it. As a believer, you can do that. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. You lie to yourself when you say, I can't stop thinking about it. People hate it when they call me because as a pastor, you know what I say? That's not true. You can, you just don't want to. You don't know I don't want to stop thinking about it. Yeah, I do, because the Bible says you can if you want to. The Bible says as a child of God, you can stop thinking that. You can kill that thought right now. It might be tough. It might be a battle. But you certainly don't just give in and keep thinking it. And if you tell yourself, I've got to keep thinking these undignified things. I've got to keep thinking these things that aren't worthy. Of course, you're not going to have peace. If your brain was being held hostage by these unworthy thoughts, how could you ever have peace? But if God can come and tell you, fill your mind up with honorable thoughts, worthy thoughts, well, then there's peace that comes with that. The next time you have a thought that's not worth your time and you think, I don't want to sit and think about this all day, you know what you can do? Stop thinking about that today. Start thinking good thoughts. Start thinking honorable things about the Lord, about His Word, about the life that he's given you, so good things in there. Next thing he says is, whatever is just. So, uh, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is just. Uh, the Christian Christian should be people whose thoughts are just thoughts. Now, this word is the same word as the word righteous, the exact same word in, in the Greek. So, you could say, whatever is righteous. Uh, And those two words, really, justice and righteous, they're really just synonyms in the the end. They both, you know, relate to the rightness of something. Our thoughts need to be virtuous thoughts, need to be righteous thoughts. And and what's happened, what happens is often we become anxious when our thoughts aren't just and our thoughts aren't righteous. So, for example, we often become anxious when we think unjust thoughts about God. God's going to do this. I know he's just going to do this. I know, like, my life is too good right now. He's about to send lightning down on top of me. Like right, You'll be sitting at the dinner table, and you'll be around your kids, and you'll be like, man, this is a good life. And you'll go, oh, no, he probably heard that. And so now he's going to make it tough or some sort you know. And for example, I don't know how many times I heard this. Don't pray for patience because God might give it to you. But you know what God tells you is good for you? Patience. And the idea that you would ask God for something good and him to be like, I can't believe you actually prayed that. (laughs) It's what? It's unjust in the end. It is unjust. It is to treat God like some sort of sycophantic evil villain up there who's just tricked you by sending his son to die for you. And then you're going to buy into it and give him your life and he's going to mess your life up and then go, ha ha. It's unjust. And yet many of our anxieties go back to the fact that we are thinking unjust thoughts about God. And those unjust thoughts are not right. And they are not righteous. The next time you get, start to get anxious or you start to think things that are untrue, normally realize that those often have a root of what you think about God. Because if God is in control of your life, then anything that comes in your life, you know that you can trust him with it. And if you can trust God with anything that comes into your life, then there is no reason for you to not be at peace. If God is sovereign and God is good, if he is good and in control, then there is no reason for you to not be at peace no matter what comes your way. Because if it comes your way, it comes from him. And if it comes from him, then it is good because he is good. So you could trust anything. So there'd be nothing that could come your way. We need to make sure that we are uh, thinking just thoughts about God. We actually see Jesus talk about this. We looked at this verse uh, last week in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, in other words, he says, look, I'm going to answer your prayers. He says, let me give you, let me know why you can trust that. He says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, who are not righteous, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In other words, the, our unjust thoughts are we think less about God than we think about ourselves. How do you know that? Your anxiety becomes, is often born out of the fact that God's not doing what you think should be done. In other words, if I were in control of my life, this wouldn't be happening. This would be happening. Which is really saying what? I know what's better for me, God, than you do. And look, if, if you, being evil, right? You know how many times you've messed up your life. You've seen it. You've seen yourself had the good path and the bad path laid before you and you go, maybe the bad path will work out this time. And chosen that and all the consequences and repercussions that came with it. You've seen yourself mess yourself up. And you've never seen God be untrue to you, unjust or unkind for even a second. Not even a breath of your life. And yet... Who do you doubt? You doubt him. You doubt him. You don't doubt yourself. You doubt him. You doubt his goodness. You doubt his grace. Those thoughts are unjust. Fill yourselves with just and righteous thoughts. This is true, not just about God, but about the world. If you are thinking about unrighteous things, do not think that you will have peace in your heart. If you are thinking about things that are not right, if as Jesus says, you, whoever looks at a woman so as to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. All of these things that are thought things, if those things are going on in you, you will not find peace. By the grace of God, you will not find peace in those thoughts. Because one of the worst things that could happen for you is you to fill your mind with unrighteous thoughts and feel okay about it. One of the great graces of God is what Zachary mentioned this morning that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do, which is convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. One of the greatest, one of the greatest things the Spirit has done in us when He quickens us, when He makes us alive, is He shows us our sin. And He doesn't just do that, you know, at our, when, when we come to faith. He does it our entire life. He never lets us be at peace with sin. So do, if you, if you've got unrighteous thoughts in your head about, uh, life, or things in this world or about your spouse or about others or about God, you will never be at peace. And so if you're looking at your life and saying, I don't have peace, look at your thoughts. Do you, are you thinking right things about God? Are you thinking right things about others? Are you thinking right things about this world? Because if you have thoughts that are not just, that are not righteous, then you will not have peace. Next thing he says is whatever is pure. The Christian should think about pure things." The word here for pure is just a word that means uh, without any dirt. Nah, just re- I mean, really, just clean things, clean thoughts, things that are uh, not stained, unstained by sin. These are the types of thoughts we need to have. Instead of measuring the level of impurity you allow into your life, what you need to do is fill your mind with pure things. This is this is where often we get the equation wrong. Again, we go, well, okay, how bad does it have to be before I shouldn't think about it, right? Before I shouldn't let it into my mind. That's what we do. We go, okay, well, it has, and this is what like the, the rating system does on movies, right? It's like, how many of this word can it use? Uh, all right, well, it used one of those words. That means it's a this. Uh, how many of this type of thing can it show? Okay, it's got 30 seconds of that. It moves to a this. And we do that with our lives. We go, how many impure thoughts can I have? Or, or how impure can this be before I, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't think about that. That's impure. What it is, is you should be per- pursuing pure things, filling your mind with pure thoughts. Instead of acting, asking, is this okay? You need to be asking, is this the best? Is this holy? Is this godly? Is this something pure that if I fill my mind with will bring me peace? Or is this something that if it's not pure, then it is not going to be sowing peace in my life. And so it's not going to be sowing peace in my life. Then there's no reason for me to let it fill my thoughts. Again, the Bible ties these type of thoughts, pure thoughts, where are you going to find these pure thoughts? Guess where you can go to find the pure thoughts? Guess where pure things are found? In the Bible, right? Okay, good job. You guys have nailed it after a decade of pastoring. Uh, you have answered correctly. I now resign. My job is done. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 17. Look at the, look at the uh, scripture and the outcome of peace. It says, the wisdom from above is first, what? Pure. Then peaceable. There's peace. Gentle. Open. There's that word uh, reasonable. It's not in the open the reason part. That's another thing. Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here again, we see what is pure. If you want purity, what sort of thought should you be filling your mind with? Again, what's God going to tell us? His word. Spend time in God's word, reading its word, listening to others talk about his word, listening to people sing about God's word. Fill your mind with the word of God and peace will be sown in your heart. If you are not at peace, it is often because you are not filling your mind with the wisdom from above because the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable. Gentle, which is again, this reasonableness that we talked about. And what does he say right after that? A harvest of righteousness. There's that word for right and just is sown in peace by those who make peace. Get in God's word, fill your mind with pure thoughts, with wisdom from above and peace and righteousness will follow. If you're looking at your life and you're not at peace, you can probably say, you know, the the great thing is, and this is a great thing. This is such a Such a generous grace of God. One of the good things is if you're not at peace, you know where you can go? Scripture. In this world, they've got to run to a bookstore or they've got to find a podcast or they've got to find some YouTube video or a TED talk somewhere or a friend on Facebook or someone to give me peace, anybody. But you've got the word, you hold it in your hand and God has written it on your heart. You've got it. The very thing that can bring you peace, fill your mind with those pure thoughts, give you the truth that you need to feel. Know those honorable, those worthy things, those just, righteous thoughts, all of them there, probably in your house, sitting on your phone. It doesn't matter where you are, you can get the Word of God and the peace. You can pursue that peace so, so easily. The next thing whatever is lovely. Now, now the, the word here, lovely, this, this is the only time this word's used in the Bible. And, and this is interesting because when we, when we use the word lovely, we tend to use it like that something that's really sweet or, or beautiful. So think lovely thoughts like, you know, like some sort of crocheted thought, uh, some sort of dainty, wonderful, beautiful flower of a thought. But this word is, is more pointed than that, I think. Uh, this is actually a combination of the word toward and love, the phileo word for love, uh, prosphileo, in other words, toward this love, that our thoughts need to be love-oriented, and you know how I love to make new words, so I said that your thoughts need to be love word. that's on the notes, you can remember that word forever, I'm sure, uh, but that's the idea, that your thoughts don't just need to be lovely, in that they are really nice thoughts, think lovely things, you know. Oh, I've been thinking some dark thoughts, and I need to think lovely thoughts and happy thoughts. And, but no, what it's saying is you need to think thoughts that are moving toward love, that are love-oriented, that are loveward. Don't allow yourself, in other words, to think things that aren't loving. Think thoughts that aren't toward love. If you're thinking thoughts about God or about your life or about others, that you look at that and go, man, is that loving? Is that toward love? If I allow this thought to continue, is it taking me toward love or away from it? If it's not taking you toward love, which is what that word is, to love, toward love, if it's not taking you toward love, then you need to quit thinking it. You need to kill it. If it's not taking you to greater love for God, if it's not taking you to greater love for one another, if it's not taking you to greater love for the, the life that God has given you, whatever it is, if these thoughts are not pushing you toward love, then they are thoughts that you do not need to have. So, again, a great place to be would be 1 Corinthians 13. You can guard your mind with these types of thoughts by going to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Look and say, love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It isn't arrogant or rude. does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If any thought that you have doesn't fit those guidelines, it is not a thought moving toward love. So if you're thinking something and it is not a patient thought, and you're thinking something, and it is not bearing all things, it is not believing all things about God or about others, then you need to go, "Eh." that thought needs to die, because it is not taking you toward peace. It's not a love word thought, and the God of peace says you need to be thinking things that are lovely, that are love word. Next thing he says, whatever is commendable is another word that Peter likes to mess this up, or Paul likes to mess up. This is just found in, here in the New Testament. Again, this is, this, is, this is actually where we get the word euphemism. You know, is that a euphemism for something? This is that, this is that Greek word. It's just the, the same Greek word. Uh, it means something that is spoken well of. You, meaning good, and uh, for lack of, which is to speak about. So good speaking about something, talking good, things that are commendable, things that when people that are, that are worth talking about, that are worth thinking about, very similar to, to honorable, things that the Bible speaks well of. Instead of things that bring us harm, think about things that are commendable, things that are good, that the Bible says this is good, so I know I need to think this. If it's something that the Bible says is bad, you certainly don't need to be thinking it. Think things that are spoken well of, that the Bible speaks well of. Not just things that are spoken well of by the world. There are plenty of things spoken well of by the world that bring absolutely no peace. Just turn on your TV and you'll see how much peace thinking the world sings brings. Uh, So what do you need to be thinking? If you think the things of God and of his word, the things that God speaks well of, you actually will have peace. You need to think well-spoken things, things that are spoken well of. Where do you find things that are good for you, things that are commendable, not just by the word, but by God? You, of course, find them in his word. And so he says, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, what should we do? Think about these things. If something is true, if something is honorable, if something is pure, lovely things, commendable things, excellent things, things of praise, those are the types of things that should be filling our mind. So it's no wonder we don't have any peace. Our minds are barren when it comes to these things. We allow ourselves to think untrue things about ourselves often all day. We allow ourselves to think dishonorable thoughts about our spouses or about our life. We allow ourselves to think unjust thoughts about God. And then we wonder where the peace went. Jesus gave us this peace and then all of a sudden we don't have it anymore. Where did it go? What happened from the upper room until now? Well, we've been thinking the things that the God of peace told us not to think. And we haven't been thinking the things that he told us to think. Think these things and the God of peace will be with you. You want peace? Fill your mind with these. This is not anything new, of course, for the Bible to tell us. Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4 say this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You want peace? Fix your mind on God and of the things of God. To steal a word from Peter, think Godward thoughts. Don't let your mind wander into all the things that shouldn't be thinking about, all the fears, all the frustrations, many of which are simply untrue, a lot of which are unjust. They're not worth your time. Instead, fill your mind with God. Fix your mind on Him and on the things of Him. Trust Him. Think pure thoughts. Think honorable thoughts, lovely thoughts. Why? Because as Isaiah says here, The Lord is an everlasting rock. If you think about God, if you fix your mind on God and not on you and not on these thoughts and not on these lies, you will find him to be an everlasting rock. And so many of us, we're at peace because our life feels like this. Or like this. And God comes and says, look, your life is like this. And it is normally like this. If your thoughts aren't fixed on me, because I am the rock. No one needs a rock if they're standing on a mountain. And so Jesus says, those who hear the words of mine and do them are like those who build their house upon the rock. If you're not hearing his words, as we're going to see in just a second, doing them. Well, of course, it's going to be like your life is built on sand. Of course, you're not going to have peace. But, but God has always promised if you fix your mind on him. If you trust him, if you guard your thoughts and make sure that, your thought, that you're filling your mind, not just taking out the trash, but filling it with the good. If you'll do that, then the God of peace himself will be with you. That's a promise from the God who is a rock. Fix your mind on him. Stay your mind on him. And he will keep you, not just in peace, but in what type of peace? Perfect peace. God's not even just going to keep you in a peace that's kind of like this. You know? You ever been in a situation where someone's like, just trust me, it's going to be okay? And the ground is sort of wobbling underneath you, and, and you know they're, they're not very trustworthy anyway, uh, not very believable. And so it's not, there's not a lot of peace that comes in that situation, right? It's like when, I remember when we were doing a, like Trust Falls. Anybody ever do that? Like Trust Falls when you were like in middle school. And they were like, so you're going to stand up here and you're going to fall backwards and everyone's going to catch you. And it's like, I know those people. And, and they've got cameras out now. Uh, and they kinda, they'll think it's funny to video not catching me. Because so if you're trusting in that, of course there'd be no reason to be at peace. But if instead your mind is fixed on God then he is not, it is not like this. The peace he gives you is not this wobbly, well, God says I'm at peace, so I guess I'm at peace. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. He gives you perfect peace with him, with others, and in your own heart. You want peace? Fill your mind with good things. And he says the next thing, not only should we fill our mind with good things, should we think good things, Uh, We should also, uh, as he says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you want peace, think right things. If you want peace, practice right things. Do the right things. The things that you've learned and, and, and received and heard and seen in others, put those things into practice. So Paul's saying, look, you want peace. Do what you've heard us tell you to do and what you've seen us doing. Now, This is not new for Paul to say. This is, this is where it's always interesting where we think, well, that seems fairly arrogant uh, for Paul to say, you know, just do what I do. But this is really kind of a very common New Testament idea. It's, it's really uh, even what you're supposed to see in your shepherds. Your shepherds aren't just supposed to be like these good Bible talkers. Uh, well, that was a really interesting thirty minutes. Uh, and you're like thirty minutes. Who are you can? Uh, the, the, they're not supposed to be just good Bible talkers. They're supposed to be good Bible livers. They're supposed to be people whose lives you can follow. And the shepherd isn't just at the back, sort of going, saying, "Go left. Go. No, no, never mind." The shepherd is up there leading. By example, and so Paul's doing the same thing. So, for example, in Philippians chapter 3, just a chapter before Philippians 4, what does he say? Brothers, join in imitating me. So when he says already here what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, he's already told them this in 3.17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In other words, look at my life, do what I do. And the people that do what I do, you do what they do. The things that I'm doing as an apostle, and I'm telling you this is what God's Word says, you see me doing this, do that. Now, why is Paul saying that? Because of what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul's not just living Paul's life and saying the best thing you can do, your best life is when you live like Paul. What is Paul doing? Why would Paul say, imitate me? Because is Paul trying to be the best Paul he can be? No. Who's he trying to who's he walking after to steal first, first Peter's thoughts cuz remember Peter says the same thing that we're tracing the life of Christ. What does Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 11, 1? Be imitators of me as I am what? of Christ. You imitate me as I am imitating Christ. Paul's saying walk like me cuz I'm just walking like like Christ. I'm imitating Christ and so when you're imitating me you're not imitating me. You're imitating Christ. So when, when Paul is telling them the things that you've, that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, do these things, he's not saying be Paul. He's saying walk like Christ. Do the right things. This is, this, is, uh, this is common. But the question is, how do you do that? How do you imitate Paul? As he imitates Christ, how do you do that? Well, Paul actually tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. He tells us what that looks like. Because if we're going to do that, how do we do that? Practice the right things. Okay, guys, the things that they learned and received and, and, and heard and saw, do those things. Well, what does that mean, Chris? Look at what he says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8. And you became imitators of us. So there's that imitation. And of the Lord. So imitating us as we imitate Christ. For how? For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So look at what's happened. He says, they have imitated him, how? By receiving the word of God, even in the midst of hardship. It's easy to receive and trust the word of God when things are going great. But they received and trusted the word of God under persecution, under hardship. Listening to the word, and he says, and taking it to heart and doing so, what? With the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And in the end, look at what they did. Verse 7, so that they became the example. You became, so you imitated us as we were imitating Christ. And then because you are imitating us, who is imitating Christ, you are now the example for others to imitate. And the, and the practicer ends up becoming the proclaimer. He says, for not only has the word of God sounded forth from you, but your faith in God has, God, for, God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Their life has so taken up, not Paul, but taken up the word that Paul doesn't even need to talk anymore. Why? Why? Because they, in imitating him, have received the word. They've latched onto the word of God. And now they're proclaiming, not Paul, but proclaiming the word of the Lord. That is sounding forth from them. They're not going around saying, Paul, Paul, Paul. They're proclaiming Christ, 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 even in affliction and doing it with joy. Peace is not just a theoretical exercise. We have to actively live lives of peace and that means living lives where we do what the Bible calls us to do. When the Bible says practice right things, what are those right things that bring us peace? What you read. And remember, you've been reading to know what you need to think, to know the the, the true, the honorable, the just, the pure, all those things. And as you've been reading, it's not just getting them in, but then getting them out in your life. The true things that you've read, live them. Don't just sink them. The the honorable things that you've seen, the commendable things, the things that are excellent and are filled with praise. Take those thoughts and then proclaim them in your life and out of your mouth. That's how we practice the things that Paul says brings us peace. In other words, you want peace? Pursue holiness. Pursue Godwardness, like Peter would say. If you're not living a holy life, the worst thing God can do is is give you peace. You want peace? Practice right things. Fill your life with the good. Well, that'll be the last of our talk about peace. We'll jump back into 2 Peter next week. I mean, the Bible doesn't hedge, though, Christian, in the call for peace. Peter's not just pulling something uh, out of the air here. Peace is to be pursued by His people. We mentioned it several weeks ago, but 1 Peter 3.11, seek peace and pursue it. Hebrews 12.14, strive for peace with everyone. James 3.18, make peace, sow peace. Romans 14.19, let us pursue what makes for peace. 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Must we be spotless? Must we labor for holiness? Of course But we must also pursue peace with the same speed, the same diligence. We're called to labor just as hard for peace as we're called to labor for holiness or righteousness. And if we separate those two, if we place one on a higher pedestal than the other, it's not because the Bible tells us to. Because the Bible, as we saw in multiple scriptures, throws them together as a pair that they are both to be pursued by Christ's people, both holiness and and peace you cannot pursue one without pursuing the other and a life that says it's pursuing holiness but has no peace is a life that is not pursuing holiness and a life that says it's pursuing peace but not doing so in a pursuit of righteousness is not pursuing peace the two must be pursued together at least that's what god says so how are you at pursuing peace do you pursue peace with others is peace something that you're finding in your life that you are going hard after? How do we pursue peace with God? We know it comes only through Christ. How do we pursue peace with one another? Well, there we saw extensive lists. What did, what did, what did we see in how to pursue peace with one another? Here's the things, and I just went ahead and listed them all out so we could have them short and quick. Restore, comfort, agree with one another. That's all in Second Corinthians. First Thessalonians, respect, esteem your shepherds, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And then remember what Christ has done. Remember chiefly that, that this comes to you only by Christ. What about peace with one another? I mean, what about peace in, in your own heart? What about peace in, in your thoughts and in your mind and with your life? What did he say? The first thing we saw about pursuing peace is to realize that you have it from the Lord. That peace is not something you don't have and have to find hidden under a rock. And I've never been at peace. How do I get peace? Peace is yours through Christ. But then what do you do? You constantly rejoice in the Lord. You, you, you're someone who's not easily stirred. You they live calmly. That's that be reasonable. You remember that the Lord is near. You pray, pray, pray and do so thankfully. You fill your mind with the good. You fill your life with the good. And Christians... We serve the God of peace who tells us that he is bringing a kingdom of peace and brought that kingdom by sending the prince of peace to make a people of peace who themselves are speedily and diligently pursuing peace with God, with one another, and with themselves. May we be that people of peace that Christ has made us to be. Let's pray. We talked about all the ways that Scripture calls us to pursue peace. And if, if as we've been moving through this time, there's anything that, any peace that Uh, You know you diligently need to pursue one that you've allowed yourself just not to have. Maybe your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. You are not repenting of your sin. You are not clinging to Christ. Maybe it is a relationship with uh, another believer. It is not what it needs to be. It is not a, a relationship of peace. Maybe it's peace in your own heart. Maybe it's anxiety or fear or just discontent. What peace is the Lord showing you that you need to pursue diligently? Do not pursuing diligently is not just being aware of it. The Holy Spirit makes us aware and now we pursue diligently with the strength that He has given us and the power that He gives us through His word to do it. All the tools that we need are before us. So may we diligently pursue the peace that can be ours and is ours through Christ. May we fix our minds on him, the God of peace, as he holds us in perfect peace. What a blessing. Father, we come to you. God, we come to you with our thoughts and we come to you with our actions. And, and we are asking, Father, if you to fill us. To fill our minds and our lives with the things you tell us need to be in them, to fill our minds with the with the things that the, 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 the true and the honorable and the lovely, the good, the pure, like all of those things, Father, fill us with those. Fill our minds. And may we net we may not allow God, these other thoughts, to have any place in them, Father. And so, God, the next time that we have a thought that shouldn't be there, God. May we cast it aside and do so quickly. And, and Father, even prayerfully, God, may we may we have minds so filled with thinking about you that those other thoughts just can't find a place anymore, even in our brains to get a foot in the door because we're spending so much time thinking about you and, and thinking true and honorable and good and pure and lovely thoughts and just thoughts. May our mind be filled with the right things and may peace follow with it. And then may, from the thoughts of our mind as we fix them on you and your word, may these thoughts take into action as well. May we practice the things that we need to do, the things you call us to. May we imitate Christ and find the peace that comes in tracing his life. Father, you are good and we can see that goodness in the peace you give us and the peace you call us to pursue and then the tools you give us to do it. We thank you, Father, for your kindness and grace. Now may we be diligent in the pursuit of peace. For our good, but chiefly, Father, for your glory, for your name and your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.